When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Damn thing pretty unless you're talking about the bridge and seaport. Even from the seats in the upper decks, you can see the seashore. Tell gay function with the carny aside. Just walk from the tribal building for the padres on mine. Yeah, cause for the 619, we'll knock you down. Anything for the brown, put it on the town. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Baby says you wanna go to the game. Go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 274 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. A lot to talk about today. Uh, There's been some decisions around baseball. I don't know if I'm going to get too deep into that because it's not Padre related. Uh, But there's some topics to definitely hit on. Uh, Jim Bowden is another another Jim Bowden thing I want to talk about uh, that he came out with today in an article. Uh, He talked to some people around baseball, some front office decision makers about needs with different uh, teams. And um, pretty much what I took from that article, not the needs, but what he said about Anthony Rizzo. So I'll get to that. Nick Martinez still has not made his decision yet, according to at least uh, reporters, there hasn't been any news about Nick Martinez either opting out or opting into a contract. Uh, Manny MVP finalist was named yesterday, um, yesterday afternoon. Bob Melvin, not a finalist for manager of the year. There's a lot to get into. If you have any questions, any comments, if you're here live, feel free to put those in the chat. You can use the super chat button if you want to support the channel. I definitely appreciate you guys supporting, whether you're watching live or on replay here on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast, uh, which you can find just looking up Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just look up Gaslamp Ball, or you can go to my social media channels, click the link in the bio, and all my stuff is there. Um, so getting to Jim Bowden first. So he contacted decision makers from the Padres uh, to ask about front office needs, um, or not front office needs. He asked front office people about like positional needs. Who does he think? Um, which, what teams or what teams think they need. Uh, and the Padres, what came up there was a first baseman, a starting pitcher, and the bullpen. That's what he said. Now, first baseman, we know. First baseman or a DH, really. You probably want, I mean, the first baseman can DH as well, I would think. The first baseman's going to be able to hit, right? So, first baseman, okay. A starting pitcher, I don't think it's going to be just one starting pitcher. I think it's going to be multiple. You have to fill your four and five starter spots. If Nick Martinez comes back, okay, then it's a starting pitcher. But right now, as we sit here right now with no Nick Martinez decision, you need a four and a five starter. So that's not just one. Are you going to trust Adrian Morhone to give you two or 150-plus innings? No. Uh, Jay Groom hasn't pitched in the big leagues yet, I don't think. No. Ryan Weathers, he had a down year last year. You're going to trust him? I don't think so. At least that's not their top priority. Same thing with Reese Kinnear. 
right? Reese Kinnear, uh, I mean, he, he did good. Uh, I thought he did good when he got called up this past season, but he, he didn't blow me away as like, oh, this guy's the five starter this next season if they don't bring back Clev and Mania, right? Like, so I think they do need to go get multiple starting pitchers. Um, and then the bullpen, obviously, Suarez, he declined his option, so he's a free agent. Maybe they bring him back. I think they're going to try hard to, but I don't think they're going to uh, – if there's another team out there, like, offering Suarez to be the closer and overpaying for him, then the Padres are going to pass. A.J. Preller obviously has the ability to bring in another Robert Suarez because he's done it in the past. He brought in Robert Suarez last offseason. He brought in Luis Garcia, right, uh, and let Melanson walk. How'd that work out? It worked out good, right? He has that ability, so I'm not worried too much about that. Uh, and Bowden did not list left field as a position, which it's interesting. I don't know if it's like surprising though, because maybe the Padres front office thinks, Hey, we don't need a left fielder. Sure. Bench depth. But if you're asking us for our three biggest needs, it's probably not left field. It's probably first base bullpen and pitching and starting pitching. Uh, Cause left field, we can fill that with um, a one year deal guy. Like that's not our biggest priority. If Profar doesn't come back, you could do, you could go that way with the one year thing. Um, or when Tatis comes back, you can move Soto to left, have Tatis in center or right, and have Grisham play center or right, whatever position Tatis doesn't fill. Uh, I would think Tatis goes to right if he goes to the outfield. Um, so that's those are my thoughts on that. Uh, I'm not I'm not really surprised on uh, left field not being one of the three biggest needs, according to who Jim Bowden talked to in the Padres front office. In his article, he said that he, he contacted decision makers from the Padres uh, or from front offices, and one of those front offices was the Padres. There were a couple teams that didn't get back to him, but from my understanding, the Padres did get back to him. One of those, they were one of the teams that did get back to him. There were only a couple. I think maybe the Guardians and Marlins were two teams that didn't respond, but the Padres did. And they said first base, starting pitcher, a starting pitcher, I think it's going to have to be multiple and the bullpen. Um, what I'm more interested in talking about or what I wanted to hit on more was what Jim Bowden said about Anthony Rizzo. He said, quote, finding a first baseman is the Padres' top priority as all three of theirs, Bell, Myers, and Drury, are free agents. Rizzo would be perfect for San Diego because of his strong defense, bat, and leadership, and the shift restrictions in 2023 should really help him at the plate. That's, I mean, that's interesting. Top priority, I would agree, to be honest. You can find back-end starters if you don't bring back Nick Martinez. Um, you can bring in one-year guys. Uh, the bullpen, I trust Preller's ability to bring in relievers to substitute or replace Suarez if he leaves. I trust his ability to bring in someone as a bench bat if they don't get a starting left fielder. And you could still go the one-year route there. But first base, I don't think they're going to go the one-year route with the first baseman, like a Brandon Belt. I see him finishing his career with the Giants. Um, for first base, I think their top options are Anthony Rizzo and Jose Abreu, right? And then you could go Drury maybe as a platoon or uh, Bell. I think they like Bell, but just not as much as probably Abreu and Rizzo. Um 
Myers as a platoon bench guy. Like there's other options as well. Um, but yeah, finding a first baseman top priority. I agree with that. Um, as for Bowden talking about Rizzo being a perfect fit, Rizzo would be perfect for San Diego because of his strong defense, bat and leadership, and strict restrict or shift restrictions in 2023 uh, should really help him at the plate. I agree with what he's saying there. Um, we, we can start with his strong defense. We know Rizzo; he's won a Gold Glove before, I believe. Uh, maybe if he, he's might have, he might have multiple actually. We know he's a strong defender there. So he's right on that. Uh, bat and leadership, he's right on that. Rizzo last year, 32 home runs, drove in 75 runs. Uh, his expected batting average was 239. His average was 224. Um, so he did hit into the shift a little bit. That's what that tells me. Um, so, yeah, the bat, the leadership's there. Um, and the shift restrictions, yeah, I agree with that. I think he's – I think – but that's not just a Rizzo thing. That's – Probably more league-wide. Um, I think Soto, you'll see his numbers improve. I think Cronoworth, you'll see some of his numbers improve as well um, in terms of the shift. Uh, Joey Gallo, obviously, right? He's someone that they shift on a lot, so you think his numbers would improve. Maybe Preller has interest in him being uh, a one-year guy to play left or play right or something. Just throwing it out there. Um, so I agree with Bowden about Rizzo being a perfect fit for the Padres if you're just looking about on the field. Padres are a contender. Bring Anthony Rizzo in. He's won a World Series. He was on a contender last year. He was one of the Yankees' best offensive players. But where I don't think it's a perfect fit, I think, let me be clear, I think Anthony Rizzo is a fit for the Padres. I think he's a very good fit for the Padres. I think Rizzo's probably at the top of their list in terms of just looking at the player. But I don't think it's a 100% perfect fit, like it seems like Bowden thinks here, uh, because of the the uh, qualifying offer. So this is the situation with Rizzo. He declined his $16 million option. I think it was a player option, yeah, for 2023. But the Yankees are expected to make him that $19.65 million qualifying offer. And he's expected to reject that, I would think, because he wants a multi-year deal. Um, or if he accepts it, I mean, if he sees the market and he's like, well, I'm not too impressed by this, well, then he gets a three-plus million dollar pay raise, right? Um, but are the Padres, let's say Rizzo rejects the qualifying offer, right? Doesn't want it goes to free agency. Well, that means that if the Padres want Rizzo, I, I look this up because some people think, are they willing to give up a draft pick? It's not just a draft pick. It's not just that anymore. Um, with the new players, the the new CBA they agreed to before last season, um, they, they made changes to that. Now, the Padres would have to give up their second best draft pick their fifth best draft pick, and they'd have to give up a million dollars in international bonus pool money. For front, that might not seem like a big thing for us fans because we're sitting here like, well, I mean, we're trying to contend here. It's Anthony Rizzo. Who cares about those draft picks? Who cares about that international money? 
we're trying to win here. Anthony Rizzo can help the Padres win, right? And I, I agree with that. If you're a fan, thinking from the fan perspective, yeah, why should we care about the international bonus pool money and draft picks? But the front office are the people that are making the decisions here. So we do have to take that into account. We know A.J. Preller loves his draft picks, and I don't know if he wants to give up those two draft picks and a million dollars in international bonus pool money, which the Padres love to use, all of it. I don't know if they want to do that for Anthony Rizzo um, when Jose Abreu is on the market. Like, I don't want to – let's be clear here. I'm not saying – I don't know if the Padres want to give that up for Anthony Rizzo, like just Anthony Rizzo. If Anthony Rizzo was the guy on the market, like, yeah, they'd probably give that up. Uh, If Josh Bell wasn't available, they'd probably give it up. If Jose Abreu was not available, they'd probably give that stuff up and be like, okay, well, we need to win right now. We want power here. Rizzo's the guy. Um, We'll give this up. But Jose Abreu is available. And, he was, I just looked this up before I came on here. He was given the qualifying offer, uh, or he's offered it by the White Sox in 2019, or before that 2019 season. Or no, was it 2019? Yeah, 2019. He was given the qualifying offer. He was offered it. It was lower then than what it is now. And Abreu accepted it. And then shortly after that, the White Sox and Abreu worked out a three-year extension worth, I think, $50 million at that time. It worked out pretty darn well for the White Sox. A um, couple postseason appearances, it worked good for them. Uh, but I did look up to clarify, the Padres cannot, or they, hang on, let me rephrase that. The White Sox cannot offer a qualifying offer to Jose Abreu again. They can't offer it a second time. So, the good thing for the Padres is they're not going to have to worry. If they want to bray you, they can go get him, and they don't have to give up their second and their fifth best draft picks. They don't have to give up the international bonus pool money. Um, so maybe they want to go with the bray you over Rizzo. If both guys' prices, let's say it's a two-year deal, uh, I don't know, $16 million a year. Or maybe let's let's say $17 million a year. I don't care. Whatever. Um, if both deals are pretty much the same, wouldn't they want to go with Abreu over Rizzo? Like, wouldn't that just be common sense for the front office? There, it seems like, yeah, Rizzo's younger. Uh, he might seem like the sexier option, but you are taking him out of Yankee Stadium where he did benefit from the short porches and putting him into Petco Park where it is harder to hit, right? So, Is he going to hit 30-plus home runs with the Padres next year at Petco Park? I don't know. Um, The shift would help. The shift's probably going to help Abreu, too. I mean, it's going to help probably everyone. I'm sure everyone had something taken away from them last year with the shift. So I don't want to – I think that's a big deal, but I don't want to make it too big of a deal like, oh, Rizzo's going to be – this is going to be the best season of his career because the shift is – there's going to be restrictions on the shift. Um, I think he'll get help, but I, I see Abreu and Rizzo. I think Rizzo is, I think he's higher on the Padres list probably, but Jose Abreu, I'd sign up for Jose Abreu. If you don't have to give, you don't have to give up the money. You don't have to give up the draft picks. You get Abreu for a couple years. 
sign me up for that. He's solid defensively. He can DH. I'm fine with either one. So my point is, with Jim Bowden saying a perfect fit, okay, maybe on the field, but if you're looking at it from the Padres front office's point of view, is it a perfect fit? Like 100% perfect? I don't think so. So that's my thoughts on Rizzo. Last year, 2.4 Fangraphs war, 32 home runs, 75 RBIs, 224 average, 239 expected batting average. Um, I mean, he has the defense, the leadership, offense, the power was there last year. Don't know if it would be there home run-wise uh, at Petco, but we don't know. That's the same thing. You could say the same thing about Jose Abreu, too. But it's it's a very interesting conversation to have, Rizzo or Abreu. Um, but the Padres might not sign either of those. You know, maybe they go Josh Bell. Um, maybe they bring back. Maybe they bring in someone for one year, and they have Drury be a platoon guy. Like there's there's a lot of different scenarios. I don't see this one happening, but maybe Crony goes to first, and you have uh, Kim play second, Tatis play short when. Tatis comes back, you know, like there's so many opportunities, not opportunities, there's so many different avenues, different streets the Padres could go down here. I'm just interested to see what ends up happening. Uh, but that was the latest from Jim Bowden about Anthony Rizzo. Again, the Yankees, they're expected to make the $19.65 million qualifying offer to Rizzo. And if that happens and he rejects it, Padres would have to give up two draft picks and a million dollars in international bonus pool money to go sign, you know, those younger players. Uh, I think Ethan Salas is an, a young catcher name out there. He's part of that international pool, I believe. Um, look, I'm trying to win right now. If I'm a Padres fan. We saw what they did in the NLCS. I want the Padres to go win. I don't really care about the draft picks. Uh, I would love to have Rizzo on the Padres, but I, I do feel like it's necessary to point out from Preller's perspective, the Padres scouting staff's perspective, hmm, is this worth it? Do you want to go Abreu without anything we have to give up, or do you want to go Rizzo and have to give up stuff? That's just something I'm bringing up. Um, all right, so that's Rizzo. Now, let's hit on Manny here. He was, or hang on, let me see the chat here, see what you guys are thinking. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with the chat sometimes. Wolfpack asked, can Soto play first base? Uh, probably not. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't even think that's something they're even talking about. Why would you put Soto at first when Crony can play first? Worst case scenario. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think that is even something they're going over in the Padres front office. Maybe Preller thought about it for a second, but they, there's probably better odds of Tatis playing first than Soto playing first, and Tatis's odds of playing first are like nothing. Michael says, yes, Rizzo would be perfect, one for 10 million or two years for 20. Well, yeah, that would be perfect. I'd love that, but he's going to get more than that. If he declined his $16 million player option, then he thinks that he's going to get, or he knows that he's going to get more than $16 million on the free agent market. So $10 million a year, that's not good enough. He, he, he thinks that he's going to get $17 million a year, two years, $16 million a year, not two years, $10 million a year. So he would 
laugh at that. His agents would laugh at that. Kirsten says, Chad Pinder can play left field. I did see something about that. I think that was from Dennis Lynn about Chad Pinder. Bob Melvin used to manage him. He's a free agent. He could play left or play the outfield, be a bench guy. I think I'd be open to him being a bench guy. I don't think I'd want to have him be starting, but maybe that's just me. I haven't dug in too much about Chad Pinder, uh, to be honest. I mean, I could look him up real quick. Again, I'm doing this on my iPad, so... Uh, bear with me here. I got to look it up the not as easy way. And the Wi-Fi isn't good. The weather, man, the weather is not good today. It is raining hard. So hopefully you guys are staying safe. Um, it's not loading. So bottom line is, I mean, Chad Pinder, I'd be open to him being a bench guy, but I uh, just my gut says, eh, I don't think he should be a starter for a team that wants to go to the World Series. But I did also say that, or I probably did, I don't remember. Padres fans, I know for sure, said that about Profar last year. They were like, oh, didn't pro didn't upgrade left field. How'd that work out? And he had a very good year. Irie says, Trent and Kim for Reynolds. Trade package involving those two. I just don't know if you can rely on Fernando playing enough games. Um, I mean, no, I'm not giving up Trent and Kim for Reynolds. How many years is left on Reynolds' contract? Is it like two? One? I don't even know how much is left on his deal. I'm trying to look that up here probably not going to load uh, but if you can tell me how, how many years is left on that con on the contract oh let's see here um it's kind of loading but i even if the contract is good like team friendly i still don't know if i'd want to do that you need a starting shortstop next year to start the season at least and fernando we know he doesn't stay healthy a long track. He doesn't have a long track record of staying healthy. He hasn't played a full season yet, and he's still not going to this coming season. So banking on Fernando being healthy and him starting at shortstop all year, I don't think that's very smart. Uh, Kim, I don't see him going anywhere. So this year he's expected to make six point seven five million, uh, and then so the Padres would have him for three years: 2023, 2024, 2025. And he'd get more expensive because he's arbitration eligible for 2024 and 2025. So they'd have him under control. AJ likes having uh, guys under control, you know, guys um, bringing in guys via trade that are controllable. But uh, Kim, you have him for next year. Um, and Grisham, I, I mean, he has a good contract too. I don't think they want to give up on him yet. So I personally say no to that. I'm sure the Padres are in touch with the Pirates, or they're at least going to be in touch with the Pirates. Brent says, kind of feel like Soto is going to have a monster year with the shift ban. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have a better or more consistent year next year than this season was. That's for sure. 
he's not going to have to adjust to a new ballpark and uh, new teammates and new situation and all that. He knows he's going to be here. And the shift, obviously, that helps, right? The the restrictions. He's going to have a higher average. I'll, I'd bet on that. Okay, now we're just kind of getting wild here, just throwing out trade ideas. I mean, I love it. I I kind of participate that some uh, sometimes. I participate in that sometimes on social media. But uh, like Wolfpack here says, Cronenworth, Kim, and Grisham for Chisholm and Alcantara. Uh, no, the Marlins would not say yes to that. Like Chisholm is younger than Cronenworth, I believe. He's under control for more years than Cronenworth. He was just an all-star last year. Alcantara is their best pitcher, and the Padres wouldn't even send a pitcher back in return? No, that makes no sense. Sorry. I, I, I like that you're thinking you're trying to be creative, but the Marlins would easily they, – they wouldn't even allow Preller to finish that phone call. they just hang up on him. All right, I'll get to the rest of the chat. I do want to get to what else – what I wanted to talk about the rest of this – uh, show here before finishing off with the chat. Again, I appreciate everyone for being here. Talking Friars episode 274 brought to you by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Gaglionbros.com is the website. Friars Road is, uh, that is where their main location is. Um, and Peco Park, they're in there during the Padres season and inside Snapdragon Stadium. So if you're going to the Aztecs game this weekend against San Jose State, they'll be there. Um, Great food, cheesesteaks, fries, uh, all that. I, I definitely recommend those guys out. Uh, I recommend them to you. Um, all right, getting to Manny. So he was named a National League Most Valuable Player finalist yesterday. Not a surprise. He deserves it. Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, they are the fi- the other finalists, the other two. And it was kind of weird looking at the graphic, and you see two guys in a Cardinals uniform, and then – Manny was on the far right in a Padre uniform, and it was like, hmm, doesn't that graphic literally just show who's the MVP right there? There's two Cardinals on it. How can you be that valuable when you have a teammate that's also a MVP finalist on your team the whole year? You know, and everyone likes to talk about war and all that, and I like to talk about war too. It's a, it's an all-encompassing stat. I, I love Fangraph war. I think that's the most accurate one. And I looked, how does Fangraphs calculate the war? I didn't just look at the number. How do they calculate it? Well, part of it is runs scored, like base running runs scored. Well, wouldn't that help someone's war? That increases their war, more runs scored, when they have Nolan Arenado hitting behind them in the order, or having Paul Goldschmidt hit behind them in the order. Or... If you don't even want to look at the numbers and just look at just baseball sense uh, or think about it that way, wouldn't it be better if you're Nolan Arenado going up to the plate and you're like, I have Paul Goldschmidt hitting behind me. Do they really want to allow both of us to get on base? No, they're going to give me some good pitches to hit here. Paul Goldschmidt could say the same thing if he was hitting in front of Arenado, you know? And then when like Pujols was playing really, really well and he was hot, you know, like it's, there's a trickle-down effect. And so, I mean, that MLB graphic, like, tells the story. Are you really that valuable to your team's success if you have another NL MVP finalist on your team? 
Think about this. And I tweeted this out yesterday. Manny Machado led the National League in fan graphs war this year above Goldsmith, above Arenado, and his NL MVP finalist teammate didn't play a single game. His NL MVP finalist teammate, Fernando Tatis Jr., let him down the entire year last year. Gets in the accident, has to have surgery, he's out to start the year. Then everyone's preparing him, everyone's preparing for Tatis to get back. And we get the news, oh, he's suspended for the rest of the year. Manny has to carry the team the entire year. Sure, he had Hosmer helping at the beginning of the year, but then he fell off. Sure, Crony had a really good, I forget what month it was, but it was during that Cubs series, whenever that uh, series was played in Wrigley. There were other players along the road of the year, you know, along the calendar of the year that contributed and were hot. But Manny had to carry the team the whole year. I thought he was really, really good defensively. Everyone knows my thoughts on the gold glove thing. Him not being a finalist is just foolishness. It's just stupid. It's a joke. Um, I mean, I'm fine with Arenado winning the award, but for Manny not to be a finalist is a joke. Complete joke. He was good defensively. And what is this award's name? Is it the MVP or is it the MOP? the most outstanding player. If you want to vote for the most outstanding player, okay, I can see you voting for Paul Goldsman. If you want to look at the numbers, he has better overall numbers than Manny, like in more categories. But this award is called the MVP, not the MOP. So if voters are going to vote on what the award title is and not make up their own definition of what the award title is, then they'll see that Manny should be winning the MVP. Valuable. If Arenado's not there, Goldschmidt was there. If Goldschmidt's not there, Arenado was there. If Manny's not there for the Padres this year, who's there? Soto slumped when he got here. Josh Bell slumped when he got here. Brandon Drury was out with the concussion at one point. Crony slumped to start the year. He had like the worst batting average at home. And Hosmer cooled down after his hot start and then he went before he got traded obviously well tried to trade him to nationals then he was traded to the red sox but like manny what is an mvp i mean what does an mvp do shatters his ankle uh in june on father's day some people thought he'd be out for the year some people thought he'd be out for a couple months the guy was out for nine games he rehabbed his butt off 14 hours a day on the massage table, not getting a ton of sleep, a few hours of sleep a night. Then when they're in Arizona uh, in June, playing the Diamondbacks, he's there. Uh, and instead of taking the team plane to Los Angeles, he drives to Los Angeles from Arizona to keep the swelling down in his ankle so that he'd be ready to play the next day, June 30th, against the Dodgers uh, and be the starting DH hitting second in that lineup. I remember all that. That's what a MVP does. Now, writers who are in Washington or writers who are in Philly or Miami, because there's two writers, two NL writers uh, for each team, they vote for these awards. So the Padres, they'll have two. They had two guys. I don't know if it's AC and Lynn or Casabo and Lynn or Casabo and AC. No idea. But it's two beat writers from every NL team votes for the NL awards. 
Are people in Milwaukee or Philly or Miami, do they know about that little story I just told about Manny driving to L.A. from Arizona so that he'd be ready to face the Dodgers the next day to keep the swelling down on his ankle? I don't know if they know that, but isn't that what makes someone valuable when he could have easily said, no, I'll go on the I.L., miss a few weeks. I did just sprain my ankle. It looked like I shattered my ankle right there. People will understand. Um, no, he rehabs his butt off, doesn't take the easy route, rehabs his butt off hours and hours and hours all day long, misses nine games, comes back because he knew that his team needed him. If Manny was not there for the Padres this year, are they in the postseason? I don't think so. The guy had a seven plus war. They were fighting with the Brewers till the last weekend of the regular season to get into the postseason with Manny. With Manny missing only nine games, you know, and the talent in the rotation in the pitching staff. Like, imagine what they had without him. So, talk about MVP, not MOP, most outstanding player. No, MVP, most valuable player. If you're going based on what the award title is, voting on that, the MVP is Manny Machado, not Aaron Otto, not Goldschmidt. End of story, case closed, I think. Cardinals fans, they can have their argument, but um, my argument, I think it's a pretty darn good one for Manny. All right, so there was that. And then Bob Melvin, he was not a finalist, not named a finalist for Manager of the Year. I gave my reaction to that on YouTube in a video. And my stance on it, if you missed it, I'm just going over it here quickly, was like Bob Melvin did more with less than like Dave Roberts. So, you know, Dave Roberts, Brian Snitker, Buck Showalter, they were the other three finalists. I was okay. I understood Snitger. I understood Showalter. Dave Roberts, I understood, like, franchise record, Dodgers, uh, regular season franchise record for wins, 111 wins, and it's a regular season award. I understand that. But he also had, like, a super team, right? Dodgers were far and away the National League favorite uh, to come out of the National League, at least from what I remember going into this past season. And so he did, he didn't do, did he like outperform expectations? No, we expected the Dodgers to win the division by a lot, be very, very good. They were very, very good. Did he deal with some adversity? Sure. Walker Bueller was out and all that, but they wrapped up. It's a regular season award. They, they had the division wrapped up, right? The Dodger fans uh, just go look at their timelines on Twitter. They knew they had the uh, division wrapped up. They were all in Padre fans' Twitter timelines. 20-game lead, 20-game lead. Oh, you won one game against the Dodgers at Peco Park? Congratulations. Well, now you're only 18 games back in the division. Like, they did that sort of stuff. Like, Dave Roberts had it in the back a while. Bob Melvin faced way more adversity than Dave Roberts. I mean, Brian Snitker faced adversity. They were down 10-plus games to the Mets in the division, came back, and won the division. That's adversity overcoming it. Bob Melvin, I think, overcame adversity. I mean, not having Fernando Tatis Jr. after expecting him to be back, he was in rehab games, and then you don't have him, and you're able to control the clubhouse. We got all the people we need. Uh, he dealt with COVID bouts, and he had surgery, at uh, I think, at more like near the start of the year. Ryan Flaherty was managing at one point. Tons of adversity that Bomo had to face and probably help 
Ryan Flaherty along there during that like week while he couldn't be physically there. A lot of adversity. Um, you know, Manny having that injury and having to deal with that for, I know it was only nine games, but it's still nine Major League Baseball games. Like, uh, obviously the Tatis thing was the biggest, right? And then having to bring in Drury and Soto and Bell, bring them in, new team, new teammates, right? Um, just, I think he did more with less. Dave Roberts did more than Bob Melvin did, like with win totals, but he also did, he did more with more, if that makes sense. For the manager, I look at that award as not really like, yeah, you got to win, but did you have, did you do more with less? Like how much adversity did you overcome? Were you expected to be a not so great team or a non-playoff team? And then you led your team to the postseason or led your team to an 80 plus win season like Brandon Hyde in the AL side. Like he got it from the AL. Bob Melvin, I mean, yeah, the Padres were supposed to be good, but the Padres were not expected to be a World Series contender after they lost Fernando, I didn't think. Um, and what happened? I know it's that's the postseason, but they ended up playing good baseball down the stretch. And Bob Melvin, I mean, he had faith in Padres starters. He had faith in relievers. And a lot of those moves in the regular season, again, it's a regular season award, a lot of those moves sticking with starters and sticking with guys, they ended up working out in the regular season. So he's not going to get his praise on the BBWAA ballot there, but I wanted to give him praise here. Um, so that was the finalist. Uh, again, Manny NL MVP finalist. That award's going to be announced next week, I think next Thursday. And then Melvin, not manager of the year. I forget. I don't know in that award. It's next week, but I forget the specific date, probably the 16th. Um, so there's that. One final topic I wanted to touch on before getting to the chat here, uh, and that's Nick Martinez. He still has not declined his $6.5 million player option. Is this a good thing for the Padres? I think it is. I don't think he's going to accept the player option, but remember... The Padres are the only team that can negotiate with Nick Martinez right now. They have this five-day window till Thursday at 2 p.m. to negotiate only with Nick Martinez. Like, Nick Martinez can only negotiate with the Padres. So, he's probably waiting on that decision. And right now, maybe they could be working out a contract extension. Maybe he declines the player option. But while we were waiting for that decision, he was negotiating with the Padres and working out a new deal. Like Nick Martin, among the free agents, right? The player option guys, Profar, Suarez, Martinez. Who's the likeliest back? I think it's Nick Martinez. I'm not saying Profar and Suarez didn't love being here, but Profar, he, Boris is his agent. It seems like from based on reports and reporters making predictions and all that, it seems like Profar is going to go get 15 plus million dollars on the free agent market per year. Good for him. I'm not going to overpay for him. I don't think he's worth that much. He just had a career year. Is he going to do that again next year? I don't think so. Um, Robert Suarez. I mean, did you see the year that he had? Hell of a year. Gave up one home run to a lefty all season long, and it was to Bryce Harper, obviously. 
he didn't give up a run in the regular season for the last month and a half or something like last month. Uh, end of August, he gave up a run, then didn't give up a run the rest of the way. He's going to go get paid, fifth, I think, probably $15 million a year. Based on what Edwin Diaz got, $20-plus million per year for five years, Suarez could go get $45 million on a three-year deal from someone. If someone wants to say, hey, you're my closer, here you go, I'll give you this. Preller, I trust his ability to be like, no, it's all right. Thank you so much for what you did this year. We're not going to overpay for you, or we're not. I don't know if you'd even be overpaying for Suarez there, but we're not going to go give you 15 million a year. We tried that with Bomberance, right? We're not going to do that. Uh, we'll go get someone for one year or something. Um, Nick Martinez seems like he really wants to be here, and the Padres seems like a fit. He's already shown the willingness to be a reliever, going from the rotation to the bullpen last year. And the Padres can offer him a starting spot in the rotation. I think that's all he wants. I think he wants a pay raise, and so maybe not all he wants, but I think he wants a pay raise, and I think he wants a starting spot in the rotation. Padres can give that to him. Now, I don't know how much money per year Nick Martinez wants. Is it $15 million a year? I don't know. But if I was the Padres, I'd be willing to give that guy three years, uh, maybe $12 million a year. Three for 36, is that is that the math workout right? I'd be willing to do that. Uh, by the way, Astros, Baker and Click, GM James Click, Dusty Baker, manager, they just got an extension for 2023. Not surprising, Dusty just won a World Series. James Click, I mean, that was kind of weird. Uh, I know this is a Padres show, but that literally just came across my timeline here. Um, Click and the owner, Jim Crane, doesn't seem like they agree on a ton of things. Good thing, relating that to the Padres, that seems like the opposite of what's happening with the Padres. It seems like Seidler and Preller are, are on the same page. Both want to win. Both are willing to spend money. Um, so that's good. Um, but getting back to Martinez, I mean, yeah, I think the Padres would be willing to give him three years, $12 million, if that's what it takes. I mean, to be a four-starter and in the postseason, if you – have a series where you only need three starters like the division series and you can use Martinez for multiple innings. That is huge. Obviously, as we saw from the Astros, they had some big name guys in the Phillies. They made it to the world series with a couple guys that could go more than three outs. Um, that is absolutely huge. And if they don't bring Suarez back to have a guy, I'm not saying Martinez is going to be the eighth inning guy. He's a starter, but in the postseason, if he can pitch, be that four-out high-leverage guy like Suarez maybe was, or like Suarez was, that's huge. So, yeah, I think of the three, I think you probably want to bring back Nick Martinez the most, and I think that's the guy the Padres are most willing to bring back. Um, him, so my point here, the big Martinez point for the day, obviously, it could change later today. They could agree on something, or Martinez could decline it and become a free agent, and there's no further reporting about that. Um, maybe that's something that happens today. But as for now about Nick Martinez, my point is him not deciding yet, I think it's a good thing because I think there could – I don't have sources or anything. I'm not here and going to act like, oh, uh, according to people I'm talking to or, or what I've seen, make it seem like I have sources uh, and all I'm doing is looking at Twitter. No, what I'm saying is, based, based on my gut, I think that Nick Martinez 
will come back to the Padres. I think he wants to be here. And I think him not having the player option decided yet, him not at least announcing it yet, I think that's a good thing. I think behind the scenes, the Padres could be in discussions with him uh, to get a new deal done. Have Martinez decline the option, give him a pay raise, three, four years, give him a starting spot, and there you go. He's a Padre for 2023 and beyond. I'd love to see Nick back. I'd love to see Suarez back, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Nick does come back, though. I could say that, and then right when I come off this show or right when I get off here, uh, he opts out or declines the option, and he's a free agent, and no deal comes to fruition, but that's just my prediction. Again, I don't have sources or anything. It's just my gut. All right, let's end with the chat here. Again, if you want to make sure I get to your comment, there are some, uh, there's a good amount of comments in here. Just make sure to use that super chat button and that notifies me uh, of that and I will definitely get to that. Um, thank you for supporting this show and being here. I appreciate it. Good Padres offseason talk, obviously, here. Day two of the winter meetings, Tuesday, November 8th here. Um Yeah, I agree here, Cola, about we're smoking crack if we trade Crony. Yeah, someone, uh, Wolfpack up there in the comments was, I think he was trying to stir things up. I don't know if he was actually trying to, like he was actually serious about that. I don't think he was actually serious about that. But I did give my thoughts as if he was serious at that time. But no, that would not happen. The Marlins would definitely say no to that. They'd be, they'd laugh at AJ. Brent says, I know I'm probably alone in this, but I kind of feel like Joey Gallo would be a great addition. Prime bounce back candidate, shift ban. He can play both outfield corners and first base at a gold glove level. I don't know about playing first base at a gold glove level. Uh, I think he's okay in the outfield. I'm open to Joey Gallo on like a one-year deal or one-year deal with maybe a player option. Uh, if you want to put it in his hands. Yeah, I'd be open to that. Um, AJ Pollock, by the way, he did just decline the White Sox option, so he's a free agent, so that's another option. Um, I'd be open to Gallo with the shift, yeah. He is going, you're gonna see better numbers from him next year. He's not someone I would overpay for. Uh, you're obviously expecting a lot of strikeouts, like the strike just because of the sh I don't think the shift to strikes how much he strikes out, like he that's just who he is. Um, he's going to swing and miss, but he's going to have power as well. Um, I don't know how much I give him. It would probably take like 10 million for a year. I think I saw that somewhere today. I'd be open to it. I just don't think that's the Padres. Like, I don't even know if that's a top five option for the Padres, but it's, it's, it's not a bad scenario with Gallows here. I don't think. Iris says, I don't think you bench Kim. You either deal him or play him. Padre fans love him, but I think you're setting him up for failure if you bench him. Uh, yeah, he, I don't think he's getting benched next year. I mean, he's not going to play as much because Fernando's going to be there. If Fernando plays short, if he's playing the infield, he could play the outfield and Kim plays every day. I don't know. Um, but yeah, 
I think they'd rather bench him than trade him because of the Tatis injury thing. It's not a guarantee that Tatis is healthy. And so it's not a guarantee that he's going to be playing every day and he's going to get at-bats every day. As sad as it is to say, I think the Padres have to put into their plan that Tatis is going to miss time at some point next year. Not the 20 games, but like the like due to an injury or something. He's going to miss time. So they got to have someone there. Kim, I think, is still going to play an important part to the Padres uh, next season. I don't think... I think they're going to try first to have Kim and Tatis play at the same time. That's just what my gut's saying. Wolfpack asked, says, Trey Turner, question uh, mark? No. Why would they sign Trey Turner? He's a great player, but they have Crony at second. Their focus needs to be on a power bat at first. They have Kim and Tatis for short. They have Manny Machado at third. Why Why would you spend big money on Trey Turner? Did you guys see that sizzle reel that Jeff Passan tweeted out that John Hamm narrated? It sounded like he was doing it from his phone. Uh, yeah. Not, not good. Why do you need a sizzle reel for Trey Turner? I think other front offices, like his agency, CAA, sent that to other teams. And I'm like, isn't that like an insult to other front offices? Because front offices are like, why are you sending us this? This is a waste of our time. Why are you doing this? We know who Trey Turner is. He smashed us. He he tortured us when he played us. Like I think that's what other teams are thinking. They know who Trey Turner is. There's no sizzle reel needed. Um, yeah, that was weird. Go look up Jeff Passon's account on Twitter, and he has a link to it. It's not. I don't think it's that great. Passon said, "I think I think on the tweet he said it was amazing. I don't agree with that." Nicholas asks, who do you think is getting in the rotation next year? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to predict because Preller could go trade for someone or he could go the free agent route. We know it's Musgrove, it's Darvish, it's Snell. Not in that order, but those three. And right now, who's the four and five starter? Morhone and Kinnear? Kinnear and Groom? I don't know. They're going to go get starters, and I say starters. Uh, Bowden said a starting pitcher in his thing today. I think it's multiple. Uh, again, I think they bring Martinez back, so I'll say him. And then maybe they go trade for a guy. Or they give a one-year deal. Or they go get Kodai Senga for multi-year, multiple years and kind of line up Martinez and Senga's contracts and be the four or five starters to start the year. Um. That's what I would say right now. It's, it's hard to say. It's it's early in the offseason. There's no reports about the Padres' interest in people. Uh, it's just reporters kind of just writing, oh, Senga fits the Padres. Martinez probably would want to come back, uh, expected to decline the option. Just speculation right now. There's no, like, reports on what they've heard because there's player option decisions. There's club option decisions that are being made right now, and there, people are – still sifting through those and 
Then there's the qualifying offer stuff. Like there's the front office is dealing with a lot right now. They got to get through that stuff before dealing with, all right, let's go talk to Senga. Let's go talk to other guys. The free agency window hasn't opened yet. It opens on Thursday at, I think, 2 p.m. Um, where they can go talk to Anthony Rizzo. They can't talk to him right now. He has exclusive negotiating rights. The Yankees have his, his exclusive negotiating rights. So the Padres can only talk to their free agents. So Clevenger, Manaya, Johnson, Stammen, Suarez, uh, Drury, Bell, Myers, Profar, those, like, Martinez, you gotta, they can only talk to those guys right now. Nicholas asks, do you think Drury's a must for the Padres? I do not. Um, I like Drury. I want him back. But if he's going to get overpaid by someone, no, he's not a must. Uh, there's a lot of chat here. Not a lot of questions. It seems like it's people, you guys are just chatting amongst yourselves, which I love. Love this Padres community here. Um, but I'm just scrolling through here to see if there's any thing I should elaborate on. Brandon says, Abreu could also bring some more maturity to the dugout, which could help Nando when he returns. Um... I mean, I think Abreu, he'd be a good leader for the Padres, but I think Fernando, he's making the right decisions now. We saw that starting with the surgeries and the apology. Manny and Musgrove, those are some pretty darn good leaders to have in that dugout. I don't think, like, you don't bring in Abreu for, oh, he, he's going to be a great leader. Like, sure, that's that's an addition, but right now the Padres are trying to win. You bring people in for their play on the field. We saw how the Hosmer thing worked out, right? Great leadership. Great leadership. That's pretty much all he brought. All right, I think that's it. That's all the comments I should I wanted to elaborate on. Covered a lot of stuff. Jim Bowden, his article about Anthony Rizzo and being a perfect Padres fit. I don't necessarily agree with that totally. Um Manny, MVP finalist, he's my MVP. I think he should be the BBWAA writer's MVP, but I, I think Goldie probably ends up winning that. Melvin, not the manager of the year, or not a manager of the year finalist, not the end of the world, uh, but I thought he should have been over Dave Roberts. And Nick Martinez still has not decided on that player option. Good thing, bad thing. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. He could be restructuring another contract. We will see. All right, episode 274, Talking Flyers podcast and YouTube show. That is it. Ben Fine signing off. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You could be other places, listening to other stuff, watching other stuff, but you were here. Thank you so much. Go Padres. I'll be back soon. See ya.